0: For almost 40 years, an incredible phenomena has been occurring in a remote village of Bosnia-Herzegovina, which may contain secrets that could change life as we know it. After hearing of a number of miracles from first-hand witnesses, I wonder if this could be a giant wake-up call for humanity. Considering once these secrets are revealed, it could be too late, this just might be worth taking a look into. I'm Shannon Gieselman, and since the day I discovered this place called Medjugorje, I haven't been able to take my mind off of it. Why doesn't everyone know about it? Well, join me as I bring real-life stories of miracles of Medjugorje and why this is a modern-day Case for Grace. Welcome back to Miracles of Medjugorje, a Case for Grace. This is Shannon Gieselman, back with my mom, Elaine Leatherwood, to continue part two of our pilgrimage to Medjugorje. Enjoy. All right. So one of the things that I remember when we were walking to see the Risen Christ statue was... We were having a conversation about, we should go to adoration. And I was trying to explain to you what adoration was, because I don't think we've ever had that conversation. And as a Protestant, they don't practice adoration. And so I think, you know, people who are listening to this too, aren't going to know what it is. So let me explain um, and and just put yourself in my mom's position. Okay. So we are, um, we're walking back there and I was like, oh yeah, we should go to adoration. What, what is that? Mom says. And I say, well, that's when they take the consecrated Eucharist, the host. And they put it in a monstrance on display. A monstrance is like a golden container. It's very ornate and beautiful. It looks like a sun with bursting of rays right in the middle round circular container. It holds the host so perfectly. And that's the consecrated Eucharist, which is in Catholic size, the body and blood of Jesus. And so you spend time in adoration and reverence in just quiet time and talking to Jesus and telling him, you know, your intentions and all these things. So it's just quiet time with our Lord. Okay. And so as I'm telling you this mom, I remember you go the monsters what what did you say?
1: I said you are you saying the the cracker Cause I knew what you meant as a, the host is the cracker, but they call
0: it, they call the host, the host. And they call it the Eucharist, but it was just so funny. Cause she goes, what, what you mean the cracker? <laughs> so Beth and I got a good laugh out of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I immediately regretted that, but that was, we were no, trying to, it's endearing, but it's the truth. I mean, that's kind it is made out of bread and it's basically in the, in the form of a cracker. So anyway, um, that was like a funny little moment that we had we're now making our way to like our third day there and I remember mass being very special for that and when we that later after mass that day that was when we went up cross mountain I remember being so nervous in anticipation of climbing cross mountain I mean this is the thing that we've been training for right (laughs) you you and your walking six back at home you've been climbing our hills here and the elliptical we've been training for it but I realized mom when I went up apparition hill I knew that you weren't going to be able to handle that the tackle that mountain it was just too treacherous, too uh, jagged for you. So you stayed back, but myself and Beth, we made a little pact. We're going to do something extra special. And this is not to brag or anything by any means. So please don't take it like that. But Beth and I kind of shook hands that we were going to take it an extra challenge and conquer this mountain barefoot. And we were so worried because it was pretty cold. And we're thinking, not only is it going to hurt, it's going to be cold. So our feet are going to be numb, cold, and hurting on these jagged rocks. So the anticipation, and then you didn't want to let yourself down or let Jesus down. You're like, because you, you want to do it like as a sacrifice, as a an offering, Kind of. A penance. Yeah. A penance. Exactly. So I remember going, we, we kind of all piled into this car with our friends and we go up there and we were kind of trailing behind. They had already started. We are always a little bit behind <laughs> and we go up there and we take off our shoes and, you know, put them on our backpack and off we go. And at first it was very sensitive. My feet were very sensitive. Like, Ooh, how am I going to get through like an hour of this? Beth and I were kind of like, Ooh, Ooh, Ah, Ooh, like walking on coals. You're like, Ooh, Ooh. And then And then I kid you not, like, I would say like 10 minutes into it, I was like getting used to it. I was kind of having fun with it. I kind of felt like, wow, this is, this is kind of adventurous and fun. It just turned out it didn't really hurt me at all. I mean, there's a couple of times I would step on a little bit pokier one. And I thought, okay, that was, that was a sin. That's what I told myself. Oh, that was a sin. I took it.
1: I do remember
0: you telling me this. So I kind of thought, okay, there, you know, that was like my punishment, and then, um, and then the other thing. This was a very profound moment going up Cross Mountain. Just in my internal dialogue that I was having with myself was like as I was climbing up the mountain barefoot, it was just like, you know, I couldn't possibly look ahead and figure out a safe path to take because it's all very daunting. It was very jagged and steep and on your own, you wouldn't be able to map out where you were going to go, like which way was going to be easier. You, You couldn't, you couldn't do it. So I would just look straight down and I would concentrate on the best next step. And the next step, just one step at a time. And I thought that's kind of really symbolic in life. You know, when you just let go of your own control, let go of the plan that you might have, but let Jesus guide your steps one step at a time. And he'll be there for you. He'll put the perfect rock in front of my foot to step on that will give me the next advantage for the next step. And and that's how I look at my life now. It's like, what's that funny saying? Jesus laughs at any plans that you have because, you know, he's got the plan all figured out. What's that saying? You have a plan, but Jesus laughs. I really feel like that was like my biggest takeaway, my message that to myself, you know, if Jesus was talking to me, I don't know. I mean, it, to me, it was an internal dialogue with myself, but who knows? Maybe that was the Holy Spirit telling me that. Because I remember growing up, I was always very in control. I always planned out everything meticulously. I rehearsed things before I did them. I visualized what I was going to do. Do you remember? I was always very much like this until I had kids and that kind of shuffled the deck cards. <laughs>
1: it definitely shuffled and I was like
0: flying by the seat of my pants. But anyway, so that was kind of my biggest takeaway of going up Cross Mountain. Besides, of course, going up the stations of the cross, there's 14 stations. So like you'd be climbing, climbing for like five minutes, 10 minutes, I don't know. And then you you go to the cross and then you kneel down on the rocks. I would put my backpack down and kind of kneel down. Boy, all the kneeling that we did, I came home with very sore knees. I just remember we did a lot of kneeling. And that's a blessing. It's part of the, yes. It's a blessing, my dear. And so Mickey would take each station of the cross and he would recite the most beautiful depiction of what was happening in that moment where Jesus was, whether he's being scourged, whether he's being stripped of his garments, um, when he was being nailed to the cross, all those different stations, the blessed mother. And he would have such a deep resonating description of it that just puts you in the moment, like you're crawling up Calvary Hill with our Jesus, you know, and going through all the emotions that he was going through. You just take it right in and just relit. You're living it. You're really living it. And it's just so traumatic. I just remember by the time I got to, I believe, I don't know, it was the 11th station. I can't remember which one it was, but it was when they put the nails in Jesus's hands. I sobbed. This is the first breakdown that I had when I was there. I just, I literally sobbed. I just remember shedding tears on the rocks. I could see my tears drip on the rocks and going, oh my gosh, I'm leaving my own tears on Cross Mountain.
2: That is for intention that is very, very difficult to accept to pray for. When Jesus invites us, pray for your enemies. As he did from the cross, he prayed for his persecutors. The true Christian prays for his enemies. It's easy to pray for your friend, but let us pray for our enemies.
0: Everything had so much significance, so impactful, and it just resonated with your soul, right? Heightened sense of awareness or something. Um, Anyway, so then we get to the top of Cross Mountain. There's a station where he addresses how famous Father Slavko Barbaric died up on Cross Mountain after taking a pilgrimage there, and he was coming down, and he was only like 15, 20 steps down from the top, and he just collapsed, and the story about him just collapsing and just oh, I'm tired. And then he just has a pleasant death and he dies right there. And there's a big memorial there, the rock. And that was, that was cool to see that. And then you go up to the top, we took pictures. It was a gorgeous day with big fluffy white clouds and a blue sky. And just to watch and stare at the clouds go by. We did one of those things, like when you're a kid and you just kind of laid in the grass and looked up at the clouds and tried to see shapes and things out of it. That's kind of like what we did. And I remember too, being there with my friend, Beth, After we'd been there for a while and the group went back down the hill, we optioned to stay up there a little bit longer, probably, I don't know, we lost track of time an hour later. And we kind of broke off and we separated and did our own prayers. I remember I took a rock and I just kind of like dug a hole and got the soil from Cross Mountain. And I put in a Ziploc bag to take home with me to give away for the healing soil of where our Blessed Mother appears every morning to pray at the bottom of the cross there. And the significance that it's got the relic of the cross. I just all these things are going through my head. I lay prostrate on the ground, you know, and just like just wrapped my arms around it, just hugged. I wanted to kiss the ground. I just wanted to kiss the ground to be there. You know? That's the feeling. Anyway, Beth and I, we embraced at one point and she goes, she goes, do you see the miracle of the sun? I see it. I'm like, no, I don't see it. I don't think I see it. It's too bright. It was too bright. I couldn't look up, but it's very cloudy. And she goes, I see it. It's very subtle here. Let's pray. And so she wanted to pray. This is how she saw it. Like she prayed with her friends and they, she saw it. So she said this most beautiful prayer and we're sitting there hugging like little sisters. And she goes, dear Lord Jesus, would you please give your daughter this opportunity to see the miracle of the sun so that she could go back and, and be witness and testimony to your graces and this beautiful Beautiful miracle. And she just said this most gorgeous prayer. And then we look up to see if it was going to happen. And the sun goes behind a cloud. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> I was like, well, maybe not now, but so um, <laughs> it wasn't my time. So then we, we hiked down the hill and then we had that at the end of the base there, uh, there's this wonderful little shop where you get this orange juice, everyone note to self: There is an amazing shop at the bottom of cross mountain that has little cappuccinos, and Egyptian orange juice. It's blood orange red. And it is the most exquisite, delicious orange juice you've ever tasted in your life. Remember that, mom? Did you get a sip of it? I gave you a sip, right? No, I didn't go. Oh, I was passing it around. It was so good. Anyway, but that's a, a tip tip for the day. What else? So we get back, we have, it was a late dinner. I think it was, a late lunch. That's what it was. That was when Mariana came and told us what the, didn't she address to us what the secret was? This is the 19th. No, this is the question answer when you asked your question about that was in the morning, though. That was in the morning the next day. So we get back. Oh, that one lady broke her arm. That's when I knew I couldn't go. We get back to have like a late lunch, and some lady was sitting there in tears, and she had she tried to climb Apparition Hill or one of these, and she broke her arm and her bone was sticking out. And you got to know in this Medjugorje, there's not a whole lot of top-notch medical facilities there. So they had to wrap her up in a sling. And hopefully some wife of a doctor had some medication, some intense um, Tylenol, Advil, whatever, and gave it to her. But boy, the rest of her trip, she was in her sling. It was all swollen, that poor lady. So that takes us into March 20th, the next day. And I remember waking up because we were so excited and anticipating the Q&A, the question answer session with Mariana. Okay. So Mariana just had seen our blessed mother the day, two days before, and she's coming out of her, you know, funk. She gets a little frazzled after that coming back, the re-entry back into reality. Okay. So I remember waking up being so frazzled, trying to think of what I wanted to ask Mariana. And I know I had notes from the year before I was ready to unleash on her, but I just had this weird feeling. Like I had to be a little more reserved. Like I couldn't just come out and say, okay, so tell me about the secrets. I know she's not going to tell me about the secret. Um, tell me about, is this the apocalypse? Is this the end of the world? I, you know, you want to ask these questions, but I just knew that I couldn't. So I wanted to kind of beat around the bush, but anyway, I remember that being just so, stressful. Like how I was going to ask my questions. Cause that was your one moment with Mariana. Okay. So, and you too, you had your question ready to go. We we're very nervous. I remember questioning her. I said, my question ended up being so Mariana, I'm very curious about this parchment paper that was given to you from heaven. That was the moment where our blessed mother actually handed her a scroll like parchment piece of paper. And it materialized from heaven into this earth. And she carries it. It's in her possession, this parchment paper, which contains the 10 secrets that she is to reveal to the world in her lifetime. This much we know. And so I just, all I said without going into detail, don't, I don't need to know what the secrets are. I just want to know where do you keep this parchment paper? Because there is some rumor online somewhere that it's lost. And I just couldn't believe that. Like, I don't think it's going to get lost, something from heaven. Okay. So she said, and she immediately said, Oh, well, those contain the secrets. I can't tell you about the secrets. And I go, I don't want to know the secrets. I just want to know, do you have this in your possession? And she never really answered that question. Of course, that's probably like a high security thing. But the way she answered my question was so precious. Oh, first of all, I said, I want to thank you for all that you do for us. Because I mean, that's a lot of publicity that she has to go through and endure, like telling her story all over again and and taking pictures with people like she's a sort of a celebrity and it can be exhausting and taxing. The first thing she says, again, she doesn't want any attention on her. She just says, don't thank me. I thank you for being here. Without you, there are no messages to give. So she always turns it around. You're the one that traveled all the way from the U.S. That's such a long trip. And thank you for coming and answering our lady's call. So so she goes on and on about thanking me for being there after I was just trying to thank her. And then second, she just said, You know, about the parchment paper. Yes, that has the secrets. I will reveal them uh, when the time is ready. What else can I say? That's all I can say about the secrets. Uh, don't, Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. And then she starts going on. And I never asked her this, but she goes, don't be worried. Those who are in with God who pray will be fine. I'm happy. I have children of my own. they have children. she was just trying to take off the intensity about it like it's not something that we should fear. I'll play that video. I'm curious about the parchment paper that was given to you from heaven And um, there was rumors that it was lost but do you still have it in your possession or where is that being stored
2: First of all, you do not have to thank me. I'm here. And you are the ones who did all of this.
3: You left your families, your homes. And you took
2: such a long journey. And all of that for our Heavenly Mother's Law. But I don't think you should say thank you to me. I think that I should say thank you to you.
3: Because what would I do with messages if Our Lady does not invite you? If she doesn't open your heart and invite you here. That is why thank you <laughs> for responding to your call.
2: I <laughs> about so, well, the parchment,
3: right? <laughs> those are secrets. <laughs>
2: what can I tell you about? <laughs> secrets are secrets.
3: <laughs> I don't
0: even know the secrets, I just want to know about the paper.
2: All ten secrets are written on it
3: and when the time
2: comes I have to give it to a priest. That's all I can tell you about it. But I do not like when people are afraid.
3: or or when they
2: fear, I mean, I heard people say now this calamity, disaster will happen, this and that. I think that those people who claim these things have to really think it over again. Because the true faith doesn't come out of fear. Because when the fear passes, faith is gone then you think I don't need that job
3: anymore
2: but if faith comes out of love then it is true faith because we all for a thousand times were able to see
3: when something terrible happens We all say, Oh God, help
2: us, God help us.
3: We are in church, we
2: pray, we do everything. And when that disaster is over, okay, I'll go to church when I have time.
3: time." I have no time
2: for prayer because you know I work hard, I have family, home, children. That is why I say nothing good comes out of here
0: only power of love. Um, Mom, you asked her about not being Catholic. And she said, well, she's not a theologian. She's just a visionary. And she's only here to relay messages. But she says, um, we here on earth are the only ones that create a divide when it comes to religions and different religions. She says that only Jesus is the way to salvation. So as long as, you know, Jesus, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what she asked. She did. She did ask me, is it Jesus? My being Protestant. And I said, yes, she says, you're fine. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you're Catholic. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you're Mormon, you know, Jesus, that's the way to salvation, but that she did say that is the key. And so she was very relieved when she found out that you did believe in Jesus. Yeah, she was.
1: Uh, But my other question to her was why, because I, as a Protestant, I can't understand pretty much to this day the repetitiveness i'm learning the repetitiveness of the prayer but she told me that that's where you be focused and that's where you pray you have more praise and closeness to the lord and that kind of answered my question because to us protestants it we're just told to pray our prayers our father prayer but where there's no certain prayers that we have to repeat So that was a definite question that I was glad to get some kind of response to.
0: And it helps you to meditate and have reverence for our Lord when you're walking through his life. For instance, Jesus himself told us when his disciples asked him, how do we pray like you? How do we get results like this? You know, when he's bringing the evil spirits out of people, when he's having all these miracles and he told us, this is what you should say. And he gave us the, our father prayer. And so that is what, how we should pray. Right. So for instance, the rosary, which is our biggest weapon, our blessed mother gives us the rosary. And in that we say our father five times. And in between we say, hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed. So that part is really just reciting the Bible. Those are words that Elizabeth said to our blessed mother. When we're revering our mother, our mother brings us closest to Jesus. Our blessed mother brings us to Jesus. She is one with Jesus. And that's a beautiful explanation. So, yeah. And and then, of course, with the rosary, you're praying the different mysteries, whether you're going through the sorrowful mysteries, whether you're going through the luminous or the glory. They're all little moments, not little, big moments, the, the monumental moments in Jesus's life that we focus on. It's just a, a deep reverence is what it is. Okay, so That was incredible to have the Q&A and I'll post some video on that. And then I got one other question. I snuck another question in because another gal had said, what does our blessed mother look like when you see her? She said, you can't describe her, but you know, she's dressed like the sun. It's just so bright. And she has the crown of 12 stars. I used that as a segue when, when they were asking a question, I said, okay, okay. Further to this other lady's question about how she looks, you said that she's clothed with the, she looks like the sun and she has the 12 stars on her head, that description Is in Revelations. Is this the same person? When in Revelations, chapter 16, was I don't know which she they describe a woman clothed with a sun with 12 stars, a crown of 12 stars on her head. All I wanted to do is say, Is this the same person that you're talking about? And she said, Well, there's only one blessed mother. Is this, is this our blessed mother when they say, Our lady clothed with the
2: Sun and the 12
0: stars on her head, is it definitely
2: our blessed mother? A revelation. There's only one Our Lady, of course.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's Our Lady. For example, a with sun and all of this. Now you
2: need theologians to explain that. <laughs> I would
3: say adorned
2: with sun, uh, adorned with love, grace. Uh,
0: uh... <laughs> and so she did it in a way that was like basically yes. So we're talking about the same person, just in case you were wondering. Yeah. That was a perfect answer. She always has beautiful answers. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so after mass, we had cappuccinos at Colombo's, always like a favorite part of our day. As we, as we found out, it's a favorite place for everyone to go to,
1: even the locals, which makes it charming
0: hmm This is a funny story. So we were sitting out on the little patio with Beth and we had our little cappuccinos and then the bells of St. James go off. And it was just so, I remember mom, that night you woke up in the middle of the night and go, We forgot to pay our bill for coffee. And so, so remember the next day we go back and we're like, oh my gosh, we can't remember if we paid or not. So here, please charge me for two extra cappuccinos and um, we'll settle up. He goes, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'm like, no, please, you have to. He's like, okay, okay, I'll do it just so you can sleep at night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was so good. And that's kind of what I remember. This is what's so special about Megagoria. One of the most special things is the people, the people make it so special because they're just so beautiful, loving, gracious. How about when we went into the postcard store and you want to get those three postcards and we didn't have the right change. And the lady just says, just take them, just take them and come back when you have the right change. And I'm like, mom, let's just leave her the extra change. It's fine. So again, <laughs> just the, the, the honor system, they're like on the honor system, right? Yes.
1: And they do not, give you any flack they just trust and believe and they don't care it's up to the person it's up to you and you you want to do everything correctly we were just compelled of course and yes leave them extra money and they didn't even want to take it sometimes they didn't want to take our extra money because it was hard to have the right amount at all the different stores Mm -hmm. you have to understand that when they're there there's like uh what 10 12 different uh people from different countries that have different monetary systems. Mm. And so they have to be prepared for all this. Fortunately, they did have sometimes change, but not always because right. we had to do some Croatian money. So back. That- you know, makes a snag, Mm -hmm. but they're so accommodating. You want to do anything. I was into one of the souvenir shops with this darling girl and she was so young and she was helping me so much. And I didn't have the enough money because I had only American money. And then she told me of a shop down the road that had Croatian money. So I walked down there and got my American money changed into Croatian money and brought it back to her so that I could pay her in Croatian and get the beautiful things that she had found. For oh,
0: me. I didn't know that.
1: Well, there's so much that went on constantly and there wasn't enough time to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And the little time that you had, you kind of wanted to sleep <laughs> 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 or rethink everything. I mean, you just
0: need time to meditate on everything that you're there and seeing and doing. Yeah. Um, okay. So then I also have When we came back that day, we celebrated Mariana's birthday and she came out with her two giant sheets of cake and she was able to serve us. She served us her birthday cake and we all sang happy birthday. She blew out the candles and we just spent that precious moment. That was just so awesome. And it was the the most delicious cake ever, wasn't it? It just had the berries on the top and then we had the chocolate one too. Oh, so good. And so that was precious. And she's doing this with severe pain and smiling through it. And then we got to take our picture with her, which was so special and give her our gifts. That was a a very intimate moment where that's when she like embraced you and said, okay, do you believe in Jesus? Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. She's like, good. (laughs) Okay. So then later that afternoon, that was when we walked up to Chinacola, which is an amazing recovery Home uh, rehab. For, it's a rehab for people with drug and alcohol abuse who are going through a very intense program of just spiritual connection. And that's their main ingredient for recovery. And I believe, check me on this, but I have heard that this is the number one place in the world where they have the like like the most highest yes. recovery rate there is. It's
1: like 98%. And yes, I have read that in a couple of different places. heard
0: of. Yeah. So when you go there, it's Hardcore extreme. You you give up your phone, you give up the TV. There's no going to the movies. You're eating, breathing, living. God and community and you the men get together there not to say there's not women there but they they maybe they have a I think they have a separate one for women and they work together they they make their own food there it's a community thing you have a big brother that follows you around everywhere you go that mentors you you um have to be accountable they go to church all the time um in fact Father Leon said that those are the most holiest people that he knows are the the gentlemen that are in the recovery center so right. That was really cool to be able to listen to their testimonies. Um, They brought out two different gentlemen there who had gone through the program and were so well-spoken. It was like they were CEOs of a company, like the way they presented themselves was just so admirable that they got up there and just spoke from the heart. And they said they weren't, professional speakers. They didn't like speaking, yeah.
1: but I believe that because of the experience that they have found that they were given the words and it was just miraculous that mm-hmm. we could understand and hear their full story of what they went through.
0: Yeah. That was really special. So, um, oh, this was the morning that we went to go after mass. We went and had all of our items blessed and exercised by father Leon, whose 50th birthday was. Yes. We um, got to run into Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Paul Ford O'Neill, PFO. Very funny story. <laughs> Okay, one of my podcast listeners, his name is Paul. He found me back in November. So several months ago before leaving for Medjugorje, he reached out to me in an email and he was complimenting me on my podcast and how he really enjoyed it. And he just was such a a character, even over email, I could tell. And so we would keep in contact here and there and he would send me pictures of what's going on in Medjugorje and whatnot and, and talk about certain people there. And then I had a friend that traveled there and I told him, I had mentioned, oh, you might run into my friend. And Maria, who's out there, you know, and she, he says. Well, Gazooks, this is the way he talks. Gazooks just ran into Maria and groom and her daughter. And he goes, so it was so wild that I just had mentioned this. And in this whole place, he runs into her on Apparition Hill. Okay. We continue this little pen pal relationship that we have or epal. And when we get there, I tell him I'm going to be at mass, of course. And then he shows up with his little friend, Joe, and he um, goes and has cappuccino with us. So we sit down and have a little cappuccino and comes to find out this guy is full of life. He is larger than life. He has so much to say and he has so much knowledge and he goes back to the days of the 80s. Medjugorje was just taking off and it turns out he was one of the original people that carried up the statue of Our Lady, the big heavy white statue that was donated to uh, for Apparition Hill because um, a Korean gentleman had his son was healed miraculously in Medjugorje so he donated that big giant statue that is so iconic of Medjugorje goria And he was one of the crew of the, I don't know, so many 50s people that carried it up that hill. Then he took us back to his little humble apartment where he um, showed us pictures of that and pulled out some books. And he gives me this amazing book um, that's apparently is quite big and it's only volume three. Apparently there's a lot of these, and this is supposed to be a great book to read, The Poem of the Man of God. I'll put a link in my podcast. So he gives us that and he tells us the days of yore. And what is it? He gives us some authentic Rika. The It's like an aged wine that is a, a liquor. Yes. It's very strong. And it's a very traditional
1: thing for Medjugorje. People have had it for, well, it goes way back to the beginning because I read in Mariana's book that her father had one of those in a bar after an extreme condition that had just happened. And that for us to now experience this, because understand that this was so many years ago and he brought out the little tiniest taste. So we had that and that goes back just decades. And so he was so hospitable. He is so kind. He has such a special aura about him. Mm -hmm. He's whimsical and Mm -hmm. dignified. That's the best way to describe him. He's funny, but he's intense. He's so knowledgeable. And he leads you on with these incredible stories that go back sometimes centuries because he has a connection in some way. And he said he is part of, remember his title?
0: Hierarchy. He's like, he's a king of Ireland in his bloodline or something like this. (laughs) And his bloodline but he he has traveled with very aristocratic
1: people very uh well known um and we got only got little snippets but it was enough to just light your eyes up
0: he was just an unexpected treasure if our travels in medjugorje and now we basically we can't separate the two it's like medjugorje oh remember paul did this so we kind of branched that was kind of memorable because we branched off from the group and the agenda that they planned for us and we kind of like went off the beaten road a little bit with our Paul. And arm in arm, mind you, he escorted us through the village. I'll never forget because mom had trouble like walking through all the, you know, rocky dirt roads. And he took you, mom. He by just the- put his arm out. Let me have you, mom. And he escorted you so slowly and carefully. We walked through the fields and through the vineyards. And He says hi in Croatian to the local shepherd and to the vendor. He knows everyone and he's speaking in Croatian. And so anyway, um, we asked him if he would take us to, to see Lata Castle. That was one of the things that I wanted to see that wasn't on our agenda. And I had no idea where it was. And, you know, he actually knew of the owners, Patrick and Nancy. And if you don't know the story behind Lata Castle, I highly encourage you to look it up. In fact, that's another link I'll post um, of Patrick's testimony. Patrick Lata was a, a Canadian car dealer or he owned a car lot. I don't know. He was in the car business and he was very materialistic. He would called himself a womanizer oh, and he was a high roller, right? had so much money. He didn't know how to spend it. And he, he told so his kids, your God is the almighty dollar. That's what he said. Yeah. I had to meet him and his wife. I knew that they built this incredible, gorgeous castle out there and they housed the religious. So nuns, the monks, priests, the monks, monks. the priests. They come there there. and they don't have money. They don't have much money. So they stay there. They house them for free for seven, 10 days, whatever they need. And they in turn, she says, we in turn get blessed and they help out in the house and they, they say prayers together and they get blessed by them coming and staying with them. The one day he took us one afternoon, we walked over there with Beth and that was fun. And he, Introduce so we see Nancy when we walked right on property. I was thinking this place is going to be gated, you know, like you'd have to have an appointment. No, it's like the doors are wide open, you'll walk right in. And here she was with two other nuns or sisters. They were what were they doing? They were um, produce, they were going through some
1: produce they and were special cake. But remember, our ticket was Paul because they greet him as well, the wonderful person that he is. She's treated us. I don't know if it was special, but I think it's normal for there, was such love. Americans, Americans, we love you. She would say, you guys travel so far. She says, it's such a blessing and or I wanna share tea. Please come have tea. And So I'll, the two I'll of share. us with Paul were just overwhelmed. And as we walked through the beautiful castle and all the
0: foliage that was just perfection. Yeah. And so I just remember her looking at us and going, they're here. The Americans are here because we had been on the local TV station. They yes. said that the local news channel had a segment about the first American pilgrims that came since COVID busted out. So it's been a year since they've seen Americans. So she goes, the our angels, the American angels are here. She called us angels mom. And so because
1: the Americans helped them during the wartime. And they just love Americans.
0: And then I remember her saying, go help yourself, go onto the grounds, explore. She goes, go meet the owner. And she was pointing to how Jesus, the statue of Jesus was at the end of the the way there. And she goes, that's our owner. She gives all the credit to Jesus for the castle. Isn't
1: that beautiful? It was so beautiful. Just she had this, another aura about Mm -hmm. her of welcome
0: and softness. Um, So holy. And they were celebrating Lent during this time. So they were fasting. And she was telling us how, Fasting is not that much of a pro- problem. Don't be afraid of fasting. You know you can't eat meat, dairy, this, that, and the other, but you get to eat pasta and you get to have fish. And she was like, and she was making it sound, oh, this is what we do get to have, and it's so lovely. And you can put the olive oil on it. And when you're just fasting on bread and water on Wednesdays and Fridays, which she does every Wednesday and Friday, and you you need to sit down proper china and glassware and silverware and you eat your bread with a little olive oil and salt and you chew it and you have some tea and you're satisfied you're satisfied with fasting i'm like oh the way when you put it that way (laughs) right
1: put it a whole different way than we imagined as you have fasted before i'm still trying to do this uh but you understand There again is what the Catholics do. They have reverence for everything. And that was the biggest thing that I took away because I understood the Catholic religion, which I did not understand because I was raised in the Lutheran church, the Methodist church, and now I'm going to the Protestant church. I had fear because when I went into a Catholic church, all the statues, all the ornaments, all the routines, all the rituals just scared me. But when I saw and experience that word, reverence, then I understood all that the Catholics want to do is pay this beautiful reverence to our God, our Father, our Lord, and the Blessed Mother. So that was the big takeaway for me. I understand. I know. I feel. And now I can love and the love of the Catholic Church. And I respect them so much.
0: So going into a remember she invited us into the dining room and it says, welcome home. And, and she's preparing, you know, some tea and she's telling us some stories. And then Patrick comes on in, he was out working on the field or something. He's got dust on him or whatever. He comes in. And then the two monks that had just arrived.
1: Yes. They wanted to hear, they wanted to hear everything that we had to say and that Patrick, who on the side, Nancy was telling me, oh, he he has money. He did all this. He wants everything. He, he all used to have everything. He'd snap his fingers and have anything he wants. And he worshiped money. So we got a little insight, a deeper insight. This man that she married, but he found Jesus and everything changed. And he doesn't have a dime. And they just live there in this castle to service the priest And the monks.
0: What happened was they took, he just completely left his life and retired and moved to Medjugorje, sight unseen. Mom, they never even stepped foot. And he says, We're moving to Medjugorje that's wild, right? What did he say of how he heard about Medjugorje for him to do that? The the whole turnaround for him. And again, you'll have to look at his video is he was in a place, you know, doing his thing, living his life. And his wife had told him there's this thing happening in Medjugorje where children are are seeing the blessed Virgin Mary and they're getting these messages. And she handed him a little booklet of all the various messages that had been given to date. They were collecting the messages on a daily basis. And she handed him this booklet. He opens it up. And the first message he sees says, I call you for the last time to conversion, to come to God, I call you for the last time. And that just resonated with him. And he just, I mean, the light bulb just went off and he goes, Oh my gosh, I I need to go to church. And he goes to church and then he starts praying. And then he starts praying the rosary and his life started changing. He saw a visual, a actual tangible change in his life. And then he just started, you know, telling his children about it. And I don't know, within just a couple of years, they moved. They moved to Medjugorje. They, they up and left everything. Anyway, I want to talk about those two monks. It was so awesome how she stopped and said, okay, we're going to have a prayer before we eat. And he, she goes, would you please guide us, Father, in prayer? And so he gives us a prayer. And then they started busting out in song, a canticle, mom, a, can- a canticle, they call it, where they just are singing in song and, and such harmonious. It, it was just... It was out of a movie. It was out of a movie, right? And again, I should play a little snippet of that. there you go. And then, um, okay. So then we started to sit down and she goes, now, what time do you have to be back for with the group? What time is lunch? I'm like one, one thirty, whatever it was. I go one 30, I think it is. And she goes, Whoa. I said now, but I wanted to stay. And she immediately, she, she says, no, that us. would be rude. She, she says, you have us. to go. Yep. Sorry. You got to go. So we didn't get served our tea and we had to bounce out of there. She (laughs) dismissed us. She says, Oh, well, you can't, you can't show up late. You can't leave your group hanging on the last day. It would be disrespectful. So
1: much wanted to stay the atmosphere, the love, the warmth, the, uh, her little kitchen and all everything that they were, we just would wanted to sit down and visit with them. And we knew we weren't going to be able to get
0: back there. We knew this is it. This we were running out of time. I, I mean, know it, we didn't it wasn't enough time. So anyway, um, yeah, we then we walked back and had the fondest memories of that. I just that castle was so beautiful. And just
1: the people it. inside were just unbelievable,
0: mm-hmm. beautiful, super memorable. And then we go back and something important that we had to get back to at the house. We we're very we we're very glad that we did get back because there was something important that happened. Was that was Mariana there again? Oh, no, I think we. I
1: don't remember. I just dinner. Well, it's always Nikki
0: had something to say that was remarkable.
1: Oh, he maybe he had the, the message that he told us that was uh, uh, so diligently mm. transcribed down to the oh. commas. And he told us the
0: message that Mariana had on her birthday. Mickey did come in and tell us the message that was given to Mariana on the 18th. I think he did that that day or the next day, but I'll have to post that. That was a very good message. And he, in addition to the, the message, Mariana said that she felt the overall feeling of love and beauty and hope, hope was what I remember. That's not something that was in the message, but just the feeling that was accompanying that our blessed mother appeared with a feeling of hope and love. And that was inspiring because in this time, this troubling time that we're in in the world, it was very inspiring. Okay. um, I don't know if I'm mixing my days, but we're supposed to meet at three o'clock because we thought we're going to get a a healing blessing by the Spanish priest that's there. And so remember Beth had heard that through the grapevine. And so we all meet at three o'clock and- it was, a, it was a miscommunication. So it didn't happen. So we all played the Divine Mercy Chaplet at three o'clock with our little group that was there. There's like a dozen of us or so. And then Paul was going to come meet us too. So Paul comes and meets us there. I just remember walking up. He was praying at the Blue Cross. And then we um, he took us down for a walk around to the studio. He wanted to introduce me to Katarina. Maria Vision Studios. And he introduces us to her. Remember how we did that long little walk throughout the village. It was just so beautiful. And he tells us more, more stories of days gone by the the days of yore. And and then, and then that little dog that we, that I pet that morning, that little dog at the church found us and followed us all around the village. Remember that dog? Yes. Yes. You were so intrigued all the way across town and he was following us again all day long that dog followed us that was kind of crazy too and so um we go to the studio we sat down and the cute little katarina invited us in for some nice lemon cake homemade lemon cake and turkish coffee we sat down and had that and then they wanted to get our testimony on camera so they videotape us on camera telling us how our pilgrimage was going and what we're taking our takeaways from that um and so we got that on film it was really interesting and special Paul's whole thing is he wanted to collaborate with Catalina, introduce me to her so that we could work on stories. So, cause that's what she does is she gets English speaking pilgrims to testify. And they, meanwhile, they just do news beats around town. And so that was a neat yeah, connection. She, mm-hmm. she does what you do. She tries to get the word out about Medjugorje. So that was our last day. And we knew that we had to pack up and get ready for, um, Leaving at midnight, we had a report to duty at midnight, all packed and ready to go and get on our buses and leave at one o'clock. So shove off was one. So Paul promised us, he goes, well, I'm going to come say goodbye to you. I'll show up at midnight. And we're just like, you don't have to do that. And so we go and we had, we had some dinner that night. We took a little nap because we knew that was the only time we're going to be horizontal for the next 25 hours. We're going to be like, it's going to be a long trip. So we got a little nap and I set the alarm to wake up at like just a little bit before midnight. And I had actually gotten up a little before the alarm to go to the bathroom. And I heard someone down the hall say Shannon and her mom. And I was like, they're looking for us. And I was kind of groggy. I remember just being kind of groggy, like just waking up out of my fog. And I heard our names. I'm like, oh no, did we, did we Did we like get late? Are we late? And and I started panicking and then there's a knock on the door. I'm like, and I opened up the door and who is it? No, I opened up the door. And
1: we both stood there together, and just could not believe our eyes it was that thought. he was standing there, and he had something with him for us. It was the book, wasn't it? The so book, not just a book, but he hands not hand just hand. a book. No, he hands the most hand. incredible thing he gave her. We still can't take it in as the significance and the history and the beauty and the, how old it is.
0: It's the do a do a version Bible. I've never heard of it, but he says, apparently this is like the version that you're supposed to refer to. I, I don't quite know um, why. I don't know why it is, but just, this is the version that he thinks is the best one. Yes. I, um, I have to get back to you on why. Um, it was perfectly golden tabbed. I'm showing. I'm showing the book right here on video for those who are listening on audio. And inside the book are all these hidden treasures of, you know, little flyers. Um, I have a, a airport, an airline ticket. There's a scapular, a little brown scapular. And there's an airline ticket dated 1999 in Rome. I'm trying to get to the bottom of that. I personally think, oh, look, there's this. I just found this. There's like a little rose petal in here, dried. Another little treasure um and it's like oh here's here's the airline ticket look at this this is so funny why is this this is his this is like a little script book right of paul and he's giving this to me why i don't know i haven't gotten to the bottom of that i need to talk to him he's having internet problems from what i understand i haven't heard from him in a week i was starting to get worried so i asked i reached out to katarina and she goes oh no i just saw paul the other day i think he's having internet problems <laughs> but then just the other day I heard a little rustling around in here rustling around, and I open up this little s- secret compartment and out comes rosaries. And what this little um, treasure, this card wrapped in from Dublin, this is from Dublin. And it's a cross with medals on it. and I don't even know the story, the history behind it. And it's all. Why is he giving this to me? I don't know. I, these are rosaries that I've never seen. They have round. Um, it's the metal. It's the blessed miraculous metal. It's Mary. It's not the cross. So that's very different. It looks very old. They're very old. And and I'm sure they've been heavily prayed on. I understand
1: that he knew immediately that you have a gift. You are doing a great thing, and he wants to pass this on to you. And that's the most biggest compliment you could probably get for him to give up this treasure to you. It yeah. was just unbelievable. Yeah. I can't wait to go through it too, but we haven't had the time. I would love to go through that and talk about it and see yes. it and then talk with him. I've asked him too I'm like
0: Paul, you'll have to come on my podcast. He's like, oh no, no way. The CIA is at will oh, get after me or something. Yeah, <laughs> comments like that all the time. <laughs> I need to be incognito. The CIA will find me. And he does. Uh, anyway, I want to say, I want to say um this was just you got to understand the moment I'm in this haze. I just wake up. He's at my door. I wasn't expecting that. I think I was a little late. He he says, here, you know, um, your group just left. I think you missed the bus. But don't worry, ladies, I'll take you uh, on my bike. <laughs> Get on my bike. <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. He's like, I'm kidding, of course.
1: You know, I just wanted to come and say goodbye. Just another one of his sayings. Oh, that was Nikki. It's not a problem when you solve it. One of Mickey's Mickey's sayings, sayings, because he was faced with everybody's problems and his only response. I mean, he was on the go. He was hectic, everything, but he would also "No, it's not a problem until it's solved. It's not a problem once it's solved. Yeah. So that's the way people look at things there. (laughs) Truly,
0: we can learn so much. The overall feeling, I guess, as we're leaving now and closing out our experience, which... Yeah, i having to go to the border control and hope that we get through it, but it was a little easier going back for whatever yeah. reason. Um, but the overall takeaway from Medjugorje, the overall takeaway, what would you say? Go. Oh, just understanding the Catholic religion, growing closer because I have read
1: all the books. That's how I got to understand Shannon's reaction to being Catholic. And uh, I read all Mariana's book and... All the things were happening there that I did not know about. So, of course, the intrigue, the amazement of this place. And I was afraid to go. I'm old. It's hard to do. Uh, But Shannon's love and enthusiasm. And she demanded (laughs) of me (laughs) that she had to have her earthly mom to see her heavenly mom. So I, I am delighted that she wanted to be with me. And we experienced holding hands, saying mass and saying prayers it's a beauty.
0: I guess my overall takeaway too, is just feeling like Medjugorje is so It's just so intense. Everyone says that it's a, it feels like home and I can't say that it felt like home. I mean, it was foreign, but I didn't feel like out of place. I felt like it was very welcoming and my heart was always overflowing with joy and gratitude to be there. That's how I describe it. I don't know if that's peace in a different way, but love and gratitude overflowing. Like I just couldn't be in awe enough. It was constant, your head's up in the clouds you are just you feel like you're just one with god you've left the hype of the world and all the what am i trying to say the um distractions all the distractions in the world all the the hype and hubbub and you're just one with the moment. You're always one with the moment. We, that's why we always, we would lose things left and right. Mom and I kind of had a little reputation that we we're a little scatterbrained. <laughs> um, I kept losing things. I left, I lost my wallet. I lost my glove. I lost my jacket at once. I lost the backpack. We lost our room key. I mean, it was nonstop. We, and I, I kind of relate it like this to me. I feel like There are three levels of consciousness, three levels of dimensions, if you will. And we were on the third, I call it the third dimension in up in the clouds. We were up in the clouds, one with Jesus the whole time we were, we're like, wow, wow we're one with Jesus. We're here. We're just taking it all in and not thinking about where we need to be or what we need to be wearing or who needs to be fed or, you know, what bill needs to be paid. We're up in the clouds. That's where my head was the whole time. And then I feel like there's this second dimension where you're a little bit more on your feet on the ground, you're looking at nature, you're, you're observing, you know, the time it's like, but you're still one with nature and you're still enjoying. And, um, but yet, you know, you have to be at a place at a certain time and you're coming back down to earth a little bit. And then there's the place that we all tend to mostly be in, which is level one, which is, you know, worrying about taxes, worrying about what's for dinner. Um, got to do laundry, got to get to the school on time. You know, I mean, all these things that just rule your life and you can't, you don't have time for that head up in the clouds moment. And that's where I felt like we always were when I was in Megagoria, and just on a little roller coaster ride, taking it all in.
1: I agree. And the feeling of gratitude that they, we were able to go there. We were, that is such a beauty
0: that not everybody can do. And we got in on this little pocket, this very gracious pocket Mm-mm. window that we could get oh. in because- right when we were leaving, people wanted to extend their stay and they were getting denied because the borders were closing again. And I guess there's another variant of COVID that was coming out, another breakout, and they were starting to shut down countries and borders again. So we don't know how it's going to all pan out. But right now, somehow by the grace of God and Mary, we made it back to our home safe and sound. We took our COVID test. We ended up passing negative, thankfully, not everyone did, of our you know, of our 40, 50 pilgrims that were there, five or six of them had neg- uh, positive COVID tests. So so we got back home safe and sound to our families with our hearts filled and we were recharged with the Holy Spirit so that we could go out and spread the word to our family and our friends and share experience. And that's what that's what Mary says is you're only supposed to come to Medjugorje for a week. It's only meant for you for a week. And then you need to take it back with you. Even though nobody wants to leave, they will, you have to take it back with you, your job, As pilgrims, as disciples, we have to share. But then that was a very interesting thing, a very great bit of advice that Mariana gave us saying, don't just go home and preach. You're not to preach what you felt here, how great Medjugorje is. You are just here to and live by example and let the people ask you and then you can tell. That's so, so beautiful. And
1: she's so right because when people ask the question, then they will list. I also want them to have some history because everything we have to say truly doesn't have any deep meaning to them. It has such deep meaning to us because we know what is there, what has been experienced there, the miracles of the healings that were there. And you tell these things, but it doesn't set
0: with the person. They just think, oh, okay, now what else? You know, people in general, of course, nobody wants to be preached to. People who don't know God's love, they don't want to be preached to. That's just not really in general, where you're going to touch someone. So I believe the common denominator is miracles. I think if you share a miracle, it's your testimony, it's your witness, and nobody can really argue with a miracle. They can question it, you know, because people can question scripture, can question who wrote the Bible, question the translation of the Bible. People can question and argue about that all day long, but you can't argue about someone's miracle if they were sick and then they were healed. I mean, that's a tangible before and after that you can't deny. So that's why I love miracles. That's why to me that's where we all can meet on common ground. I guess um if I look back and at miracles I didn't have my rosary turn gold. I didn't I uh, oh, I didn't talk about this, but I did see I think I saw the miracle of the sun. That was one time when I was by myself, I went and I went to adoration and then I went to the risen Christ statue and I had a moment there was just taking it all in. And I looked up at the sky and it was a little bit hazy, but I was able to see that it was actually, um, Beth texted me, she goes, are you seeing the miracle of the sun? It was around 540 when a lot of people see the miracle of the sun. And I'm like, no, it's really bright. I can't look. And so then about five, 10 minutes later, I looked up there and I was able to look at the sun straight on naked eye, no sunglasses for 10 minutes. I looked at it for 10 solid minutes and just kind of mesmerized. I kind of saw it throbbing and pulsating a little bit. It was moving. And I didn't know if it was my eyes flickering or what it was. But as I was sitting there, I "I think I'm seeing the miracle of the sun. I'm seeing it. Oh my gosh. And so then I would look to test myself. I would look away. And from my peripheral vision, I could see that the sun was extremely bright. But when I looked at it directly, it wasn't bright. I was like, am I seeing this? And I was questioning it. I'm like, I I don't know. But I did know that I stared at it for 10 minutes and I didn't go blind. So there's that.
1: And you and I saw the pulsating clouds. Yeah, it's the same time. We looked out our window because we could see Apparition Hill. And we saw the clouds and the the light of the sun. Mm -hmm. But the clouds started pulsating. We both saw yeah. it and it it went on probably only about 30 seconds, but we saw it repeatedly.
0: And and we did hear from other pilgrims with us that saw a much more intensified version of the miracle of the sun that was just leaving them breathless. They saw it pulsating. They saw it changing colors. They saw it change from the sun to a cross and they saw Jesus's face. I mean, there's all these other stories that people were telling us. So in, in other words, so I just want to say. It is. It's a miraculous place that one will only really know by unless they visit themselves. So that's my takeaway is like you have to have your own unique personal experience. If you're called to go to Medjugorje, Mother Mary will make it happen. She'll part the seas for you and you too will experience it yourself one day. So I wish that upon all of our listeners. And God bless. God bless you. Thank you, mom, for your time. The delight. I just want more people to know
1: and be happy
0: have peace peace to the world peace and love amen amen